Have no fear of missing out. The show's about FOMO. Your host is Brian Franzo. I'll tell you what you don't know. And now, your host, iSocial Fans. All right, all right, all right. So we're technically going to still have that same intro music, but that will be the last time I'm using those graphics as I have decided to bring back uh, FOMO fans, but we are rebranded, renamed. Um, This will be the third time uh, this podcast launched uh, November 27th, 2016. So we are a little over almost five years old. Wow, that's kind of crazy to think of. Five years old. Um, But we paused, um, as in the title of this episode, for... The last 168 days, there has been no FOMO fans. Uh, there's been plenty of FOMO, plenty of fear, plenty of things going on. But um, from this day moving forward, this show will be called FOMO Fans, The Brian Fanzo Show. And still take a very similar format. It is a solo podcast, as uh, most of you know. Um, you know, And I think part of the cool thing about you know, podcastings, podcasting, and evolving and really just the world that we're living in right now. You know, I think one of the things that we have to kind of remember is that, you know, this is different times. These are, we're living in times, uh, you know, unlike anything we've ever seen before. So it's also important to, you know, be willing to try new things, to uh, reinvent, to, you know, <laughs> you know, like get creative. So, uh, you know, that's kind of what we're doing here on this show. Uh, and that's why I kind of brought it back because, Really, the reason I, I, for those that haven't listened to this podcast in a while, or maybe forgot the, you know, the reason I started this podcast itself was, um, it was a very selfish reason. Uh, I ha- was doing a ton of live streaming for a couple of years, 2014 um, through 2016, uh, way too much live streaming. If we look back at it, you know, multiple times a day, you know, over 3000 live streams. Uh, I was hosting two podcasts at the time, two different interview podcasts. And I wanted to still do live streaming, but I wanted to have a, a strategy and a reason to be doing live streaming. But I didn't want to do another podcast because I hated dealing with like guests and calendars and scheduling. And I still hate that stuff. But uh, uh, I launched Press the Damn Button earlier this year um, as my new interview show. But so in 2016, I just decided, you know what I should do? I should just create a, you know, at the time, the probably one of my most popular pieces of content was what we called iSocial Rants on Snapchat where I would just rant about different topics. Uh, and sometimes those rants would go on for a pretty long time. Um, and that would also bleed into what I was doing on Periscope and Meerkat back in the day. And so part of this whole, you know, evolving and part of this whole thing is, you know, this, I still love this idea of a solo podcast. And I've got a lot of messages from a lot of you um, asking if I was going to bring this back, if I was going to bring back the show. Uh, and I have to say, you know, for the last uh, month and a half or so, uh, we've been averaging between 200 and 300 downloads uh, per day of, of different episodes of the show uh, with zero promotion. It wasn't even on my website anymore. I had removed uh, FOMO fans from a lot of the, the marketing, um, not even on my Twitter account, none of that stuff. So I was uh, pleasantly surprised with that. Uh, if you guys will also remember, you know, as I involved in the show, you know, I also learned things, right? Like the show started off and I wanted to help you embrace your FOMO, embrace your fear of missing out. I wanted you to live on the bleeding edge like I did. I wanted you to, you know, kind of embrace this whole world. And that's where, you know, that's where the whole FOMO fans show podcast came from. Because I, I thought at the time that people were like me and they really wanted to 
you know, embrace their FOMO. And then after about a year of the show, I realized that not everyone likes FOMO and most people that are having to deal with FOMO, um, they just kind of put up with it. And so I switched kind of the tone of the show to curing your fear of missing out. So I was, I was talking about bleeding edge topics of a wide range of, of things, uh, you know, over the last three years or so, uh, you know, covering everything from entrepreneurship to marketing, to technology, uh, talk a little bit of ADHD, all that kind of stuff, social media, but you know, that the show was evolving. And then I decided to launch press the damn button, which is my new podcast. Uh, the interview show that I, I'm doing now, um, also powered by uh, restream.io. And part of the, the thing for me on that was, Hey, I have a great network and amazing, you know, people that are, that are part of my community. And I want to amplify all these great people that are doing great things. Uh, and then what's better time to do that than during uh, the pandemic. So that brings us all the way up till today and 168 days. Um, it's been since kind of my world got turned upside down. Uh, I lost, you know, my six full-time clients that I had, um, kind of like on a retainer basis, uh, also lost multiple speaking gigs. Uh, lots of speaking gigs got pushed into the fall, which now of course, uh, we're having to handle how they're kind of managing those. Some are moving virtual, some are canceling, some are pushing into 2021. Um, but it's been one hell of a roller coaster, And I've been seeing a lot of people, you know, like the thing I, I want to kind of set the tone here is that. I don't believe we are, we're through this. I don't believe that um, what, you know, I believe we still have a long way to go. I believe um, we as a, a culture, as a society, um, with all of the things going on, have a lot of you know, things to kind of work out and figure out. Of course, we have elections coming up. Um, we also have this massive, um, you know, society issue of um, inequality and things that we just need to address uh, as a society. But I, I also believe that there is this, this beautiful element of our, we have the ability to shape the future. We have the ability to decide what is the future that we want to live in? How do we want to prioritize our life? Where do we want to work, right? For so many businesses and brands, they are like, my employees cannot work from home. I will never have a work from home culture. Well, all of a sudden they were forced into their employees working from home. And now they realize they were just ignorant and stubborn and stuck in their ways and their employees could actually work from home. Now, some people are learning that some, you know, working from home is a heck of a lot harder um, than maybe we all realized. I, I've worked from home for a majority of my career. I believe 13 of the, of the 17 years that I've been out of college, you know, I've worked from home and I've always said it's, it, it, it it's a hard thing to do, right? You have to do a lot of different um, things there. And so although it's been 168 days, you know, I kind of believe we're, you know, we have 168 more days worth of um, pandemic and unrest and figuring out what all of this means. But, you know, one of the things that it's been, you know, extremely difficult for me, and I'm sure, you know, my audience, as much as I know you guys uh, as well, is, you know, there the thing that I've loved about my job, my career, the life that I've built was my ability to travel. I've traveled 40 plus weeks a year, my entire career. Um, I've now been home um, other than one road trip uh, for five months and just wild, right? March 12th was actually the last day that I flew. I flew home from an event. I spoke at uh, the Berkshire Hathaway conference and I flew home I self quarantined for um, exactly 14 days. Um, uh, and then to find out on the 14th day that um, there were six or seven people at that event that actually got uh, COVID. 
And so, you know, for me, this has been interesting. It's been interesting because I have worked from home for a majority of my career. Um, but guess what? I've also traveled for the majority of my career. Uh, I've also lived somewhere where family or friends lived. Uh, I had decided to move closer to where my daughters are um, last year because I was traveling so much and because I was kind of splitting time uh, between Atlanta with uh, my partner, Jennifer. And then when I had my daughters, I would be here in Virginia. Uh, and so I kind of had built things that way. Things were working out really well. I could you know, get off the plane in Atlanta when I didn't have my daughters. And then to kind of be forced to live in this world that we're living in. And then I also kind of got thrown a curveball. My, my, the house that I had moved into in December, the landlord, um, they had lost their jobs and decided they wanted to sell their house. Uh, and how was I going to tell them no? So in June, I had to move. Um, I stayed in the same town, but I had to move houses um, in June. And, you know, for me, this has been really interesting because although it, we have really fast forwarded in the technology virtual world by about seven years, uh, I actually, I was moder- I was hosting an event yesterday and the CEO, Thomas from 23 video, that's what he said. He said in seven weeks, we moved seven years forward in webinars and virtual events, which I think, you know, is an interesting, uh, idea, interesting concept. Um, but even more so than that, just than, than that concept is that, um, yes, we've moved forward, but forcing people to change is not easy. Forcing people to change is not usually successful. Uh, and yes, we have moved into virtual, but you know, I've built my life traveling. I built my business using virtual and live streaming and online to sell my offline on stage. So although I got lots of friends and lots of people that were reaching out to me and, uh, you know, asking me how excited I was for, you know, what's going on currently and, and everyone moving to virtual, I must be you know doing amazing. Honestly, it required a massive shift for me because I needed to use virtual to sell virtual and I had to figure out how to educate the market. And, uh, my good friend, uh, Marcus Sheridan, uh, Marcus posted the other day uh, on LinkedIn, and I'll put a I'll put a, a link to the, his LinkedIn newsletter um, in the show notes of the show. And he he posted kind of like what his journey and his learning process has been um, since COVID, like the mistakes he made, um, the things he would do different, the things he didn't expect to happen. Um, and let's face it, I mean, I remember laughing um, in April, um, realizing that man, I, I, my dad's birthday, which was April tenth. He had to deal with it. You know, we were in in lockdown, and I was like, "Man, you know, at least the coronavirus won't be around on my birthday, June 9th. Huh? Man, was I wrong on that, right? Um, But in Marcus's post, he talked about you know, like everything from where he where he focused his attention to um, the things he prioritizes to the things he thought were either successful or a passing fad. And so I thought on this episode, the first episode back, or the first episode of the of the Brian Fanzo show, which is still FOMO fans, I wanted to share a couple of the things that I've learned, um, you know, over these uh, couple of months, and, and a couple of it will be a little bit vulnerable, and I think that's also you know an important element of what we're learning, and you know I think with with um, all of the things that have gone on since uh, you know in the last 168 days, um, everything you know that you know from from what had gone on with coronavirus and COVID and how that has evolved um, also with, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter and uh, a lot of the things that had gone with, you know, with not only how these things are, are you know, in, in 
impacting us, but how we have to look at them. And and for those that follow me on social, I've been very advocate. And uh, you know, one of the biggest lessons that I learned, you know, in my you know in this this time was that although I was a uh, an advocate or what I believed an ally um, for equality, and I've always had a mission statement that um, I didn't need religion to believe what I needed to believe. And my belief was that if you were not harming others and you were making yourself happy or others happy, um, and you, you are, you know, doing that in your own, you know, space that I will support you. And I'm an advocate and, and very, um, you know, boisterous on a lot of LGBTQ, um, issues. And I realized, uh, quickly that my, my silent alliance, was actually doing more harm than good and that I needed to be uh, not just a silent ally against racism, but I needed to be an anti-racist. But I also learned in that time the importance of listening, the importance of learning, and the importance of perspective of when you're consuming something. And this has been something that for me over the last maybe five years has been very, very, you know, kind of, earth shattering because I think when we look at our lives, look at the things that we have going on, you know, when we're exposed to something like, you know, if you're young and you're exposed to um, religion or politics, or you're exposed to a certain sports team, you know, depending on your maturity, depending on where you are in your life at that time will depend on your ability to see the big picture, have your own opinion. Um, And for me, you know, I look back at my life um, and the life that I was, you know, kind of building, and a lot of it was, uh, you know, a life that was very successful from the outside, but oftentimes was building something that I thought I was supposed to build, and doing what I thought I was supposed to be doing, and kind of like living the life that I thought everyone thought that I would be living. And I think, you know, with this coronavirus, one of those things that people uh, I, I see it a lot in the underlying messages that we're that that are out there. You know, there is something to be said about, you know, now that we've been enlightened by the possibility of the world becoming, you know, coming to a stop and the, you know, the idea that it is no longer okay um, to be silent as far as, um, you know, inequality and we must stand up to um, together to make a difference, to make a, you know, to make a, a movement, to make the world a better place. I think, our, our perspective has to be looking at things and saying, where was I at in my life? What was going on when I was exposed to this or when I became such an advocate or my opinions were so strong? Um, I think politics is a very interesting one there because I think a lot of people's um, political um, affirmations, their political passion um, is a lot less, lot less to do with the fact that they know Um, which each party in the United States stands for and more with the fact that they've just been programmed for so long that they are one way and they're going to defend that one way. And they've spent no time being exposed to the other side. Therefore there's no reason for them to believe that they're wrong or that they should think differently. Right. And, and it's not usually until you hit rock bottom or you have to start over, or maybe you get a divorce or maybe something drastic happens in your life and then you start to reevaluate from this new perspective, from this new place. And I think that to me has been something, you know, everything from, you know, being alone for these five months, you know, I had my daughters, um, you know, split custody with my, uh, with their mom. And, you know, when I don't have my kids, you know, I spent, you know, four months 
without talking to an adult because I don't know anyone that lives here. My family lives in Arizona. Um, and my daughters were the only thing that was, you know, every other weekend um, when I had them here and I was on lockdown because, uh, you know, of, uh, of a, on their side of the family, there's some people that are um, very prone to, you know, being exposed to COVID and I didn't want to risk that. And, um, and I'm, I'm very much the person that's usually um, asked for forgiveness, not asked for permission. And for whatever reason, I mean, part of it came down to me for COVID was I need to do these things, not so that I don't get sick, but it's so that I don't get others sick that could be very vulnerable and that I needed to be willing to give up things like going to the bar or hanging out with my friends or traveling um, to see my girlfriend or, or any of those things, really. I needed to be able be willing to sacrifice those for uh, the greater good for other people. And this isn't a political thing. And if you're, uh, you know, to each their own on how you look at coronavirus and COVID and all that side of the house, I'm not really focusing on that at all. The, the point I'm, what I'm saying here is that there, there comes a point where we have to look at things through a new lens and look at what we care about, what we prioritize. And yes, we probably did that five years ago, 10 years ago. You know, I've always argued that I hate the idea that we ask kids in high school and college, what do you want to be when you grow up? When most 35, 39, 45, 55 year olds don't know what they want to be, what they want to do for the rest of their life. And I think, you know, we're, we, one of the, the biggest things for me looking at these last 168 days was that it's never been more evident that we are much more alike than we are different. And that if we are willing to accept each other's differences and rally behind the vulnerabilities that we share and be more transparent through the fact that people are going to be judging less, that I believe we can kind of rally together and do some amazing things. And I think we are put kind of in in a very interesting scenario right now in the sense of like, how do we move forward? What's the right way to open the economy? Should we be flying? Should we not be flying? Should we put kids in daycare? Should our kids not go back to school? Um, my daughter's here in Virginia. Um, it wasn't an option. They are virtual school um, until January, uh, you know, which makes makes the decision easy because then we don't have a decision. Uh, you know, a lot of those things that were, and, and I guess where I'm looking at this is that, and, and I started to, to write this list down of like things I've learned since, you know, in these 168 days. But one of the things I think I probably learned the most is that I need to, I need to look at where my life is at the moment and reevaluate every single thing. Asking myself, why do I do this? Why do I value that? What is, and, and, and really coming down to making a list of, of what, you know, my, my good friend, uh, Brant Menzoir, uh, who's his part. He was, a, I interviewed him on my podcast, uh, last week. Uh, he wrote a book called black sheep and he refers to these as your non-negotiables. What are your non-negotiables? And I think even taking it a step further, you know, what are your non-negotiables? What are the things that, that you, you know, aren't willing to give in or, or, you know, uh, to, to remove from your life, but even what are the things that you've included in your life for maybe your, you know, the last five, 10, 15 years that if you ask yourself, why are you doing that? Or what, what's involved with that? Um, you don't have an answer for it. Right. And I think we can say things like life is short or when, when a friend that's too young passes away, 
um, we're like, man, this is really, you know, this kicked me in the stomach and, you know, it's going to make me appreciate life more, but let's be truthful on that. It makes us appreciate life for like a day, two days, three days. And then all of a sudden we get back into the, the normal swing of things. And I think that's been the weirdest, most profound thing of these last 168 days is there still is no end in sight. And early on it was like, Hey, I'm going to push through. I'm going to keep my head down. I'm going to focus on what's important to me and, you know, and let the chips fall where they may. And then for many of us, we are like, screw this. I'm just going to, I'm not going to listen to this anymore. I can't handle it. Right. And we've seen the results of that with, you know, colleges opening up and then having to close right away. Um, the different, you know, sporting, sporting events that, you know, if there's no bubble, the sporting events aren't really able um, to make it work or make it happen. But I think, you know, even the sporting events, right? Like, I, I think it's, you know, for me, it's interesting. I was so excited that hockey was coming back and so excited that basketball was coming back. And then I realized as I'm watching these hockey games and these basketball games that it wasn't giving me that high that I thought was what I was missing. And what I realized was I was actually missing the co-consumption of content. The idea that I watch something, I consume something, and I have people to talk about it, watch it with, right? The idea that, you know, football and fantasy football, the fact that I can watch hockey and talk about it with my friends and they'll come over my house and we'll watch a game. The idea that I could, you know, when I'm in a different town, I could go to a basketball game with, you know, another speaker. And so one of the things that, you know, when I look at a lot of, you know, the, this, this journey, you know, I quickly dove into virtual and I started reviewing platforms and I started going all in on what virtual was going to mean. And then I realized that the industry as a whole needed to learn. And I really wanted, and I really went all in on educating the industry and like put out all this content. I launched a brand new YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash Brian Fanzo VX as in virtual experience. So Brian Fanzo VX on YouTube, you guys can check that out. But um, I did all of this. And of course, I knew that it was a tough time to sell, a tough time to market, a tough time to advertise, uh, which you know was something that I was well aware of, right? That, that was I wasn't shy away from that. But you know, when we start to look at the fact that you know my revenue is, is still not close to where it was a year ago or two years ago, um, and businesses are still struggling to figure out, you know, do I go virtual event now or do I just postpone and come back to an offline event? What does a hybrid event look like? I have all these things like living in my space. And, and I think one of the mistakes I made was not being selfish enough during my pivot. And the reason I share that is, and, and, and this has been a revelation as well, is that, you know, taking care of yourself, self-care doesn't mean you're selfish. It means that you're prioritizing making yourself the best that you can be so that you can be the best you can be for others. Right. And I think we've all been realizing that I saw the statistic um, yesterday, as I do a lot of reading on, on ADHD that, you know, that 45% of adults during this COVID-19 time period um, have admitted that they've been going through some type of mental illness or mental health struggle. And that's admitted, right? There's probably another 35% of people that won't admit that that is something that they're going through. And I think, you know, for me with my Adderall and my ADHD, you know, I do a drug holiday every week where I don't take my medicine. And during coronavirus, during COVID, 
I just kept making excuses. And I went seven weeks straight without taking my, uh, my normal day off. And that day off sucks for me. It really sucks. Like it's, I have very low motivation. I, I struggle to, uh, you know, stay focused, stay, um, I'm very lethargic, but I know that by doing that, I've not had to up my medicine in four years. I've been able to stay the same dose. I haven't had any additional side effects and I've been able to, you know, reap the benefits of, um, you know, being diagnosed uh, and medicated for, for my ADHD without the side effects of, you know, so many people, you know, their personality changes because their, their dosage has to keep on ramping up. And so interestingly enough, during that pivot, I was putting out content for everyone else. I was skipping my daily or my weekly, um, you know, uh, drug holiday from my Adderall and, the funny thing about that was I was alone. I was by myself. I was very in my own world. Yet at the same time, I wasn't prioritizing my own self-care. I wasn't uh, prioritizing my own sleep, my own eating, uh, a lot of those things. And you know, it caught up to me in, in many cases. But it also, you know, when I look now at the business and my pivot, there was a lot of things I could have done in April and May that would have me situated in a different position right now, but probably I wouldn't have been aware of that. And so I guess the reason I kind of bring all of this and I share all this and it might sound random and, and maybe this is a little bit random, but where, where I look at this is I believe as a society, like authenticity, you know, if it's zoom calls or the fact that people are doing, you know uh, you know, they're doing commercials on TV now with their cell phones or whatever it may be. Um, you know, we, we have, we have executives that have their kids walk in behind when they're doing a call, this idea of authenticity of letting people into who you are, what you're all about. I think it's important for us to remember that we're not alone and that, you know, the things that you're going through right now, maybe it's depression, maybe it's, um, you're going through, you know, your own, you know, your own struggle, your own battles, uh, maybe having to make tough decisions in your personal life or your business life. You aren't alone. And it might feel alone, and I I know that feeling. And asking for help is not really something that um, feels natural or okay when you're in that mindset. But I do believe the more we share, the more we allow people in, the more we we kind of expose people to everything that's going on in our world, the better the world will be. But because that's nothing new, I've been preaching that for years. But here's what I've I've realized, and I think this is probably the biggest takeaway from this episode, in my opinion, um, is that. Yes, we need to be more vulnerable so that we can be more authentic, so we can allow people to be empathetic towards us, so we can make the world a more empathetic place. But here's the thing. If we don't prioritize what matters the most to us, if we don't prioritize our own health, our own self-care, um, taking care of the, of, the, of the things in our lives that are the things that you know, allow us to become and grow and, and learn, being vulnerable without taking, without prioritizing, making yourself your number one priority is a very slippery slope and it's scary and it's not fun. And so I think my biggest lesson over these last 168 days is yes, I can talk very open about a lot of the things in my life. And I've had lots of people come to me. Even one of my coaching clients right now is, is someone that wants to be more vulnerable. And uh, he came to me and said, Hey, Brian, I love your transparency and vulnerability on social media. And he's like, as an executive, you know, it's not something that he's ever usually embraced, but it's something he sees the power in and wants to become more vulnerable and more transparent and more open. 
And I always like to set that stage by saying, you know, that is scary and it's hard and people will judge and people will say things behind your back and you won't find them out till later on. And I don't care how, who you think you are. Um, those things still hurt when people, you know, say things or judge you or make assumptions about you based on things that they've heard or they see or whatever that may be. But I think that the, and where I look at this secret is the secret is that if we can, if we can prioritize ourselves and, and be vulnerable and be, be that, you know, transparent person that allows people into who we are, that is how we are going to move forward to shape the future. We are going to allow each other to grow. Um, I really want you guys to listen to that podcast episode. Uh, I believe it's episode five with my, my good friend Brant um, on Press the Damn Button, my new podcast, because Brant really goes deep in that. And I get a little bit emotional on that interview and I'm doing the interviewing. Um, just talking about how do you find what he, can, what he calls your, your five black sheep and, and your black sheep values. And, and, and how do you, you know, and the, one of the biggest takeaways for me on that whole discovery and his book is probably in my opinion, the best book I've read um, on this topic in five years to maybe ever. Um, uh, and the, one of the things that I've always said is that if you aren't your own biggest cheerleader, why the hell would someone else cheer for you? And what I've learned and what Brant's taught me and where I think this whole episode kind of comes to is that how are other people going to be there for you if you're not willing to put that out there? How are other people going to know what is most important to you, what you value, what are your non-negotiables, unless you make it apparent, you let people know, these are the things I care about, this is who I am. I believe when I say press the damn button, a lot of people think about it as you know going live on video or telling a story or maybe it's their marketing, right? I give that keynote. And really what I look at press the damn button is press the damn button is we need to be the ones that press the button and say, this is the stuff I care about. These are the people I care about. This is who I am. This is what I'm about because people will judge. We, I mean, if anyone who's on Facebook right now, it's very polarizing, but it's also very interesting because the people that are polarizing towards us, I can almost guarantee we don't know why they vote one way or the other. We don't know why they're against abortion or for abortion. We don't know why they're pro-gun or anti-gun. And yet we will oftentimes just allow that to interrupt our world, our life, and allow that to separate us. And, I mean, we can't separate anymore. I, I do believe that there is more good in this world than there is bad, and I believe that together we can make the world a better place. And I believe that the more each one of us invests in ourselves and starts being more vulnerable, the more we will be reminded as we have for these last 168 days that we are way more alike than we are different. And that for us to grow, for us to shape a new world that not only our kids will be excited to grow in, but that we will be excited. Like, I mean, I, I, I always, that's always bothered me. Like I want to build a world that's going to be where I want my kids to grow up in. I'm like, screw that. I want to build a world that is that I want to grow up in that I will ra help raise my kids in and my kids will help shape the world that they want to live in. Like we only live once and life is short for sure. But like, let's, we have to take action. We have to press that damn button. We have to be the ones that are the change. We have to prioritize the things in our lives, but we also have to re-examine everything and ask ourselves everything from why do we believe this or why have we always voted this way or what are the things that matter to us or 
And we just have to ask those questions. You don't have to do that publicly. I, I think it, that's perfectly fine to do that privately. But I do challenge you to do that and ask yourself in your day-to-day life, you know, all of those different things. And I think you'd be amazed because we are at an interesting time right now because we still don't know when this ends. And we are still living in this weird social distancing COVID-19 world that we're in at the moment, especially for us here in the United States. I know I have a big international audience. But if we work on this right now, and then we, when we get towards the end and we start being ready to figure out how we are going to move forward, what are all these empty buildings going to look like? What is the, all of the breweries that have closed? You know, how are we going to look at you know, um, working for the man versus not working for the man? Um, how are we going to relook at education in the school and the classroom after we're having kids home for all these times? We're going to have so many questions when we figure out the end. Right now is the time for us to figure out ourselves so that we are prepared to help shape this future. So I'm putting this challenge out to you. This is episode one, but not really episode one, because this podcast has been around since November 2016. But this is episode one of the new version. This is the the 3.0 version of FOMO fans. And that is, I, I really do challenge to invest in yourself to really evaluate who you are, what you care about, where you are in your life, where you want to go and ask yourself what you're willing to sacrifice to get those things to happen. What are you will what are you willing to give up so that you can accomplish the things that you want to accomplish and start putting yourself first, prioritizing that self-care, you know, taking that extra nap or, you know, um, you know, going for a run or doing those things that are really, you know, that are self-pampering because we are going to get to the, 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 the end where we're going to have to come together to shape the new normal. But the only way we're going to be able to do that is if we are each the best person that we can be. I hope you guys have a great day. I hope you guys are glad that FOMO fans is back. I'm glad to have it back. I'm glad. Something's so much fun about this show, being able to kind of just talk and rant and share and know that you guys listen. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for reviewing the podcast. Uh, make sure you give some love for sure to um, the sponsor of the show, Restream. Um, if you want to check out Restream, just go to restream.io slash PTB. Press the damn button, PTB. Um, and it'll give you some special uh, pricing um, for the for the sponsorship of these two podcasts. Uh, I'm super glad that Restream has um, sponsoring the shows and teamed up with me on that. Um, I'll be recording uh, an episode, a new episode uh, with my good friend Saba uh, tomorrow uh, on for press the damn button. Uh, so if you're one that likes to watch live streams, uh, make sure you're following me on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Periscope, uh, even on YouTube. We're, we're live streaming on YouTube as well. So uh, my friends, make it a great day. Uh, FOMO fans is back in 3.0 version and I couldn't be more excited. Cheers, my friends.